0: Let us try as best as we can to finish looking at eldership tonight a quick summary god has ordained organization in the church without organization even spiritual life will be chaotic now there are different views amongst good christian people when it comes to how you organise the church. In that sense, it's not a primary gospel issue. But for better or worse, we are Presbyterian in our governance, even though we don't belong to a Presbyterian denomination. And that is what my conviction happens to be as well. So there are two offices that God has ordained the diaconates who are to look after the physical side of the church it's good to be in a heated church building uh, this evening that's something not for the elders but for the deacons but then the spiritual oversight is the responsibility of the eldership not just the pastor but the eldership It's a team ministry. Now, we're all part of a team, aren't we, in many ways? But God has also ordained that those who are the leaders of the church, the pastors and elders, are a team. So it's obvious, but it needs to be said, in adding to our number, however many, whoever they may be, they must be able to gel with this present team. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And within the team, all of us are equal, but there are different functions, just as you would have in a football team. Think of Jesus Christ as the manager, but then the captain is not more important than the other players, but every team needs a captain. And that's what the pastor really is. So, in our present system, we've got a pastor and an assistant pastor, and we are elders. Me and Andy are part of the eldership. We are part of this team of men who are called of God to pastorally look after you. Uh, We mustn't get into the place where those who minister the word, that is the pastors, don't do any visiting. No, we are all part of this together. But, uh, visiting the flock, especially a flock as large as this, would mean, if only me and Andy was doing it, that we wouldn't be giving ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So, we have an eldership to help us with the pastoral oversight. So, in that sense... The elders are here to keep me and Andy in the pulpit. Not that we are over and above you and don't mix among you. We are that. But our primary role is to minister the word and the sacraments. And it's an awesome task. And no one can do it in their own strength. And we need the help of the elders. They are here to hold our arms up. As it were. So that's the most basic uh, explanation. And when it comes to choosing elders, it's not gifts we're looking for, it's not status, it's not loyalty, it's not which family people belong to, whether it's a powerful church family, it's not whether I like them, it's character. Godly character. And that's what we've started to look at in 1 Timothy 3. There are 14 traits of character. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not natural temperament, it's what God produces. And we've only looked at four or five. So I don't know how we're going to get through the rest tonight. We'll just have to go the speed the Lord will have us go. And if we don't finish tonight, we don't finish tonight. We are not uh, going according to our own timetable but gods now how do you judge a person's character you see on the outside what a person believes and what a person is like outwardly but that's not the same as character so paul in chapter 5 says to timothy don't be hasty to ordain somebody ordaining is laying on of hands setting a person apart to the work that's what we do with pastors and elders now how do we judge whether a person is god's man for the job we only see a small part of the person on the outside well we have these traits that's why we're going through them so i want you to forget now about how long a person has been in the church for whether they're an important, I hate the phrase, but you know what I mean, an important family, we've just got to look for character, character, so let's continue, we've looked at, without reproach, blameless, so there's got to be integrity, the husband of one wife, I'm not going to go through all of these now, uh, we did that last time, uh, temperate, sober-minded, good behaviour, that talks of a balanced uh, mind, and attitude and lifestyle so let's look we'll group some of them together right so don't worry we're not gonna have um i don't know nine points or something Uh, we'll just try and clump some of them together so i'm going to put the next two together hospitable and able to teach interestingly able to teach is the only gift hospitable in the authorized version what does it say given to hospitality So you can say that's a gift. Not everybody can offer hospitality. Now, what do we mean by this? Well, it's very simple. In the New Testament period, uh, there wasn't much available in terms of accommodation. If you were a preacher or an apostle or an evangelist traveling around, uh, the uh, hostels were very rough and disreputable places... And so uh, you have much emphasis in uh, the New Testament on the need for hospitality. So the immediate need is that of traveling preachers. And without thinking of any other ministries of hospitality, what a privilege that is. I can travel from south to north Wales and I can think of homes all along the way where hospitality has been offered to us preachers. You don't get that with any other organisation, do you? Uh, John and Mary, who were alive, they gave hospitality to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones many times and they shared with me, we didn't realise we were entertaining a prophet. Well, we're told in Hebrews, is it, that we may entertain angels in a way. So, think of the privilege of offering hospitality if you can. Uh, not all of you can do it. If you can open your home to God's servants to begin with. I know some people, they've got a prophet's chamber, as it were. In their houses. What a ministry. Uh, You can't have fellowship in a travel lodge. But you can have fellowship. In the home of a believer. And I've been privileged to uh, know hospitality. Not just in this church. Not just across Wales and this country. But overseas. And I just want to tell you. What an immense privilege it is. Just to be In the home. To have people open, not just their homes, but their hearts to you. The last time we were in India, in Andhra Pradesh, the brothers and sisters there were saying to us, you are family. You are family. But let's think more in terms of what we as a church can do. I had a friend on the phone the other day, and he was worried about his daughter who was starting as a student somewhere and he was so relieved that when she went to the local evangelical church, he knew there were godly families there that would be looking after her and offering hospitality. I say this for your encouragements. This church is renowned for the hospitality it shows to students and those who are away from home people have a home from home my friend you may not be standing in the front you may not even be uh, an elder or considered for eldership but you can be involved in this ministry of hospitality the amount of students that have gone through the homes in this church overseas students all over the world what an amazing privilege the day will show how many people were influenced by the hospitality shown to them in this church but paul doesn't say a lover of hospitality because that's a gift he says hospitable and that's a grace are you hospitable you may not be able to open your home but you can be hospitable what hospitable another translation is a lover of strangers what does that mean we all like those in our immediate friendship circle don't we but are you such who befriends those who are strangers think of those who are new to the church do you talk to them after the service do you view them not just as visitors but As brothers and sisters in Christ, if they are saved. After Spurgeon was converted, he had the naivety of a young convert. Oh, to have that again. And he went to a church service and he sat next to a gentleman. And after the service had finished, people just left. But Spurgeon just talked to this brother in Christ as if he was a brother in Christ. And the gentleman was bowled over by it. And he said, I've never had that happen to me for a long time. Imagine if we all treated one another, not just our friends, as... Our adopted brothers and sisters are we hospitable may a person a newcomer come to this church whatever they may look like and may they never leave until they've been spoken to and we're not thinking of nabbing people before they go out may this be a place of welcome a place of refuge a place where people feel safe So, in an elder, you are looking for a person, even if they're shy, who looks out for other people. We can sometimes be so preoccupied with our own problems, and some people have big problems. But we can get so bogged down with them that we're not looking around. Look around, look around, and see your own problems then in their right context. Let's rush through these able to teach what does this mean it doesn't mean preaching in this context the those who are the ministers are the elders set apart for the preaching of the word but i would interpret this as an aptness to open the word to give a bible study whether it's a group bible study or the main church bible study which is more didactic surely it involves a degree of spiritual discernment an elder must be Sound in the Word. Uh, I don't know what you make of this. I don't want to frighten the elders uh, here. But I think an elder should always have a sermon up his sleeve. Just in case. Just in case. You never know with this 20 mile an hour speed limit. So we're not thinking of those who are gifted preachers. But we are thinking of those who have spiritual discernments and who can give a wee word. Let's look at the next four together. You'll see why. Not given to wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Not given to wine. Paul is not saying to Timothy, you can't, Drink alcohol. Paul is not saying that an elder must be a teetotaler. Why? Well, for the obvious reason that Timothy is told a little later on take a little wine for your stomach's sake. And you can't get round that. But what it does mean, as the New King James says, is that a person isn't given to wine. A person isn't immoderate if he drinks in his drinking of alcohol. A person isn't a drunkard. Uh, the Greek philosophers translated uh, given to wine as uh, drunken rage. Another meaning is to have uh, wine beside you all the time, as you would see in an alcoholic Now a person who's an alcoholic cannot become an elder because he's suffering from an addiction. But it's the moderation here again. We came across it a little before, didn't we? In terms of temperate, sober-minded, of good behaviour. Well, an elder should be temperate when it comes to drink. And it doesn't mention it here, but it could be said of food as well. Uh, There are certain churches who won't make men elders if they are overweight. What do you make of that? But we are putting these four together because the given to wine is to do with being unbalanced, especially in terms of losing one's temper. We've seen, haven't we, people who've had too much to drink. You can't reason with them. They just want to have an argument with you. Uh, we had a chap in here last Sunday evening. So the next characteristic, not violence, it fits uh, what you've got here. Violent is a striker, <laughs> literally, when you physically hit somebody. When we were in India once, we heard of a church AGM that got so violent, they had to call the police. That's not a good witness, is it? Uh, Nathan was talking in the minister's fraternal in Cardiff on William Morgan. And when William Morgan had a man who threatened him. And so William Morgan had to carry a revolver or a rifle around with him. When I was in Bible college, we had a pastor from the Philippines. And he uh, and other pastors would have to keep rifles in the pulpits. There is no rifle here. The only weapon here is the word of God, the sword of the spirits. On a serious note, let me quote Spurgeon. This is the advice he gave his students in the pastor's college. Don't go about the world with your fist doubled up for fighting, carrying a theological revolver. There are people like that, aren't they? They are looking for a fight spiritually. They just want to have a good argument. Now, they may be interesting company, but they're not elders. You should never have them as elders. You'll have trouble if you do. The more modern translation, and this isn't me now, this is how the translators put it. The more modern translation for the word violent is bully, abusive. Uh, Sheila Stephen took part in a conference we had a few months ago on spiritual abuse. It's a huge subject today how those in authority in the church can be not physically violent but they can be verbally violent now we call that spiritual abuse i must be very careful in this pulpit that i don't abuse the position it's a fine line uh, i'm reading uh, from reichen an excellent commentator a good evangelical presbyterian from the states And this is what he said bullies are not eligible for ordination for pastor uh, or eldership an elder is not a browbeater men who are verbally or physically abusive cannot be trusted to tend god's sheep that's the negative we've got to be on guard against such but then there's a lovely positive, the opposite. What's the opposite? Gentle, gentle, gracious, kind, forbearing. The word that comes to mind is meek, like the Grey Shepherd. I am meek and lowly of heart. But listen, it's not gentle, Jesus, meek and mild. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is strength. It's gentle strength. Now, there's a balance here, isn't there? If you think of the Lord Jesus Christ, he wouldn't break the bruised reed or uh, snuff out a smoking flax. But when you look at him speaking to the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, he wasn't gentle with them. You hypocrites! So there's a firmness and a gentleness. We can't tolerate bad behavior in church. We can't say that we must uh, be so at peace with one another that we're not going to deal with unscriptural behavior. That's not peace. That's a false peace. Uh, We must stand up for integrity. We are not going to tolerate funny games with spiritual garb. Gentle, firm. There's a phrase, isn't there? Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Where have all the gentlemen gone? I'm not into football, so I may be speaking out of ignorance here, but reading the obituaries to Sir Bobby Charlton, who died, uh, people were saying he was part of a period. Where there were more gentlemen playing, I don't know if that's true or not, but gentle firmness. And then the other negative quality in this group of four: an elder will not be quarrelsome, not looking for an argument, not belligerent. Uh, there, I'm reading from the ESV here because it's the best translation. In one Timothy six verse four. Uh, There were disputes, and they caused, this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 4, they caused envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind. That's what happens if you put people who are argumentative, quarrelsome, into position of leadership again i'm quoting reichen this is not me right i'm finding this whole subject a tightrope but this is how reichen explains it few things are more distracting to god's work than quarrelsome leaders an argumentative man is the worst kind of man to have on elders When elders discuss the ministry of the church as they need to and express their opinions clearly and charitably, often the best discussions emerge from lively discussion. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't agree on every point as elders. But this must never be done with a contentious spirit. Never. We, d- we don't want a cult, do we? Where everybody has to toe the same line. We want to be able to agree to disagree on all sorts of areas where it's not a gospel matter. But if you have a person who's quarrelsome, argumentative, they will make all sorts of other matters to be gospel matters. And it will cause all sorts of tensions and divisions even slander so forgive me for putting it as plain as i can but you just cannot have people who are constantly critical of the ministry whether it's myself or andy or whoever you just cannot have them on the team of eldership it just doesn't make sense let's move on are you still with me this is not easy is it let's take the next two together not greedy for money what does the authorized version say it's very quaint but it's very uh, memorable not greedy of filthy lucre and not covetous now in chapter 5 paul goes on to tell timothy that the elders who teach and who rule well, but especially those who minister in the word should be worthy of double honor. That talks of payments. So apart from exceptional cases, and Paul was one of those who did tent making in order to bring money in, a pastor, one of the elders, should be paid enough that he's not constantly worrying. About money. But and this is the but that we've got here, we are not in the ministry to make money. Uh, I know this isn't a danger in Wales, but in some parts of the world where you have health and wealth preachers, they've got their learjets, haven't they? And they stay in five-star hotels in the penthouse suites paul says that's anathema to me Uh, one of the things that i remember reading about billy graham in his obituary was that he never stayed in a posh hotel that's a man of god for you we must be careful that we don't make men who are rich elders simply because of their status i've said before the Presbyterian church instead of a platform would have had the seat vowed, the big seat there and it was filled with the elders and the deacons and they were mostly the big wigs in society the solicitors the bank clerks the head teachers but that's not what we're thinking of when it comes to eldership we're not in it for the money I've heard of churches where more elders or more deacons turn up if it's a finance meeting that is completely unbiblical Covetous. What's that? It's linked, isn't it? It's greedy. You can be covetous and be poor. (laughs) It's worldly ambition. What's the quote, the title of a Puritan book? Somebody help me. The rare jewel of Christian contentment. Christian contentment. That's the opposite of covetousness. So if a person... Hasn't got the grace of Christian contentment. They can't really be an elder. Doesn't it make sense? If a person suffers from chronic discontent. And there are believers. They are always complaining. They are never going to be happy. Never. Well they can be elders. We must bear with them. But they can't be in the leadership and then this is one I've always found frightening rules his own house well having his children in submission with all reverence Uh, we hear of Jonathan Edwards the great American preacher theologian apparently when he walked into the room his family stood up (laughs) they called him sir well it doesn't mean that does it what does it mean it doesn't mean a perfect household that doesn't exist it only exists in fiction and usually if it's perfect on the surface there's something going wrong underneath if it's too good to be true it is too good to be true what does it mean Well it means if a man is going to be an elder looking after the family of God he must seek to look after his own family as well. So it's not right is it if a person who is an elder is so busy going to elders meetings that he has no time for his family. Uh, One of the good things we have done uh, since Andy has come to us is we've cut down on elders meetings. Thank you Andy. Because if an elder can't Look after his own family, how can he look after the family of God? Eli comes to mind. As he got older, he failed to discipline his sons and they wrought havoc. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we must be disciplinarians. People have different views when it comes to disciplining children and we must respect that. And when you're thinking of teenagers, I'm not looking anywhere. But that's an impossible task, isn't it? I like what the Book of Common Prayer says. It asks this question. I think it gets the right balance. Will you be diligent to frame... It's a bit old, but it's good. Will you be diligent to frame and fashion your own selves and your families? according to the doctrine of Christ, and to make both yourselves and them, and this is the key, as much as in you lieth, wholesome examples to the flock of Christ. Do as much as you can to make your home a Christian home. You can't make your children Christians, but you can... Up to a point. I'm thinking of the temperaments of the children. I'm thinking of all sorts of other factors. You can do what you can. And when they become teenagers, there's only so much you can do. And the man is the head of the house. The man and the wife are equal before God, but the man is the one that God has put in charge. And so if the wife of an elder is a gossip or is indiscreet, if a man can't control his wife, Then that man can't be an elder. And when you think of the things that are discussed in elders' meetings, you can't have an indiscreet wife. And then last two, we'll take them together because there's one common theme. Does anybody know what the common theme is? Because uh, time is going and I want to see if you're still awake. What's the common theme? Not a nice one, not a novice. ...and have a good testimony from them that are outside. Why? In case they fall into the condemnation of the devil. We're in a spiritual battle, my friends. And the devil is out to get the church. And the devil is going to attack those on the front line. And the devil is going to concentrate all his efforts on pastors and elders in many ways and so we must have the right people so what's a novice a novice is a young convert now there are some people who are young in age but they're mature spiritually so i don't think we should say that an elder must be over a certain age i don't think that's biblical but an elder must be of mature spiritual age you can have old people who are spiritually immature and you can have young men who have a maturity that's way beyond their years i think we should be looking at such people why not a novice well we're told in case being puffed up with pride they fall into the same condemnation as the devil what's that referring to it refers to lucifer satan how did satan fall from heaven Lucifer, Satan, was a perfect angel. He was in perfect communion with God, but he fell. What caused his fall? It was pride he wanted to be as God. And it's so easy for all of us to be puffed up with pride because knowledge puffs up, but especially if you're young in the faith. Uh, The word for puffed up is puffed up with conceit. It's like being puffed up with smoke. Um, have you seen those things uh, they're like plants aren't they uh, you break them and there's just smoke everywhere well you can get so puffed up with the smoke of pride and conceit the disease of conceits that you don't see clearly you don't judge clearly a lack of humility is often the downfall of a minister and elder pride cometh before a fall only humble men can hold the high office of an elder. Those who are in the ministry, may the ministry not get into their heads. Those who are in leadership, in eldership, may that not get into their heads. Danger of ordaining those who are power. There are some people they want it, don't they? They liked to be needed. No, thank you. Not in the church of Jesus Christ. And then finally, an elder must have good testimony of those who are outside. What does that refer to? Well, we've already alluded to it in the first character traits. They must have a good report. They must be respected in society. It doesn't mean uh, that they have an easy time. If you're a Christian, you will often uh, be struggling in the world but it does mean people respect you in the workplace. People uh, will respect your record in the workplace if a person's got a bad track record. They can't be an elder. And again, it's the same, isn't it? Otherwise, they fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let me just wind down augustine answering the question what are the three characteristics of a christian do you know what he said the first characteristic is humility the second characteristic humility very good the third characteristic you've got it humility let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall how can it be otherwise we're serving in the kingdom of the servant king and those who are his under shepherds will have servant hearts servant leadership so a few questions as I come to an end we haven't got much time but I will finish do you mind if I carry on just to finish it is that all right Is there anybody here who feels qualified for eldership? No way. No way should you become an elder. But what about the word desire? If a man desires the position of an elder, how do you explain that? It's not carnal ambition. I believe that when God calls a man into eldership, he'll have an inner, God-given sense. It's not the same as ambition. It's not, I want to be a leader in the church. It's just an inner sense. They may not want it. They may want to run away from it. But like the call to the ministry, just an inner sense. Maybe. The impossible is about to happen and God is going to call me. That inner call is recognised by the church. That's what we're looking for, these 14 traits. We haven't done badly to go through 14 in two sermons. But may God help us as we begin our search It's not something we as elders do alone. We are a congregation. And we want you to pray with us. Let us pray, O God, lead us to the men of your choosing. And may God make it abundantly clear, not just to us as an eldership, but to us as a congregation, who he will have. And may we know A wonderful unity as we move forward together in the work of the kingdom. I've gone way over time. I'm sorry, Sheila, because you're speaking in the after meeting, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, Let's sing just the first two stanzas in the hymn. Uh, I've chosen the supplement version of Here is Love and there's four verses but we'll just sing the more well-known ones the first two a privilege to serve in the kingdom for all of us and help us to have that servant attitude that just as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister may we all in our various spheres, minister to one another lord uh, just may our one ambition be jesus christ lord just kill these selfish ambitions in us and turn them around to serve uh, thy glory and now may the lord bless us and keep us may the lord make his face shine upon us even as we choose elders and be gracious unto us and may the lord lift up his countenance upon us and continue to give us peace amen